listening to the Coaching Academic Podcast, the podcast for coaches, leaders and academics who are interested in translating research into practice. Each episode, I discuss a brand new piece of cutting-edge research and translate the findings with suggestions of how you can incorporate the research into your practice. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca J. Jones. Now, on with today's show. In today's episode of the Coaching Academic Podcast, I'm going to be talking about a research paper called A Qualitative Investigation of the Origins of Excessive Work Behaviour which was written by Melrona Kirain, Marianne Breen and Cleodna O'Connor and was published in the Journal of Occupational and Organisational Psychology in February 2018. I'll put a link to the paper in the show notes. So in this paper, the authors highlight how the majority of previous research on workaholism is quantitative, looking at correlations between predominantly personality factors and workaholism and consequences of workaholism. The authors identify that whilst the importance of socio-cultural processes in understanding intensive work patterns has been signalled in the past in the literature, there's limited research studies that specifically explore this. Consequently, in this study, the authors address this gap by utilising a qualitative approach to explore the autobiographical accounts of the origin of excessive working patterns among a sample of excessive workers. So a total of 12 workaholics were interviewed, which consisted of four members of Workaholics Anonymous and eight others who were termed general population workaholics by the authors. The authors also interviewed 16 participants, who responded to their call for participants for the study, however, didn't meet the threshold to be classified as a workaholic, and this group formed a comparison. The samples consisted of a mix of genders with an average age of around 46 years old, and job titles of participants included management consultant, investment banker, IT consultant, journalist, and medical doctor. Participants were asked the question, what do you think has influenced your work pattern? So the authors found that participants in the two groups, the workaholics and the comparison group, identified different explanatory mechanisms for their work behaviour for both internal and socio-cultural factors. And interestingly, the workaholics group was further split for the internal factors that were identified between those participants who were members of Workaholics Anonymous and those who were general population workaholics. So for the Workaholics Anonymous group, they identified both addiction and perfectionism as internal factors that contributed to their excessive work behaviour. These participants' identity as addicts extended beyond the work environment and influenced the way they related to the world. And when perfectionism was described by the Workaholics Anonymous group, it was described as a general law of behaviour, which the individual was relatively powerless to resist. On the other hand, the general population workaholics identified personal choice and perfection strivings as internal factors that contributed to their excessive work behaviour. So, Working style was described as an active choice that they made and regarded their chosen lifestyle in positive terms. And perfection striving was described in less absolute terms than the Workaholics Anonymous group who described perfectionism and instead was described in terms of demanding high standards in their work. 
The comparison group, on the other hand, identified three internal factors that explained their work behaviour. Personal maturation, which refers to their age-related changes in personality and preferences. Boundary management, which refers to implementing time boundaries such as a fixed time to arrive and leave work. And value-driven choice, which refers to proactive personal choice on work behaviours based on the participants' own values. The results related to the socio-cultural factors influencing work behaviours for the workaholics group were stressful family of origin dynamics, such as either a history of workaholics in the family of origin or to gain approval from the family, intense educational norms, which describes the evolution of excessive work behaviours at either school or university, pervasive organisational norms, where the organisation encouraged or even required excessive work behaviours in order to be successful, and a national culture that reinforced excessive work behaviours. Whereas for the comparison group, socio-cultural factors discussed were proactive adjustment, which describes the adjustment of work behaviours following a personal tragedy, which leads to a reconsideration of core values, a supportive family of origin, the preference to engage with one's creative family rather than working, the educational experience where working hard was an activity that was learned at school, and alternating work norms, which may require intensive work behaviours at some points, but not others. An important finding of this research is the identification of the multi-dimensional nature of explanations of workaholism, where a combination of traits, addiction and socio-cultural processes, such as dynamics from within the family of origin, and also norms instilled in the individual through an intense educational experience, appear to contribute to the development and maintenance of excessive work behaviours. The authors provide three recommendations for practice based on their research. Firstly, as organisational culture can strongly influence the emergence of excessive work patterns, HR professionals and leaders are in a position to intervene in the development and support of a work culture that's conducive to effective work patterns. Secondly, the employee selection and assessment procedures should be sufficiently in-depth to gather relevant information into the personal background of applicants. And finally, that employee development initiatives should take account of learned work orientations to ensure the effectiveness of interventions. In terms of recommendations for coaching practitioners, if you're coaching an individual who identifies as engaging in excessive work behaviours, you should aim to explore the range of mechanisms identified in this paper both internal and external, that are likely to have contributed to the development and maintenance of workaholism. Interestingly, in the study, often the workaholics perceived that they had a lack of control over their workaholic behaviour. Therefore, an approach such as a cognitive behavioural coaching is likely to be beneficial in order to address this pattern of thinking. So that concludes today's episode of the Coaching Academic Podcast. Just to remind you, in today's episode, I was discussing a qualitative investigation of the origins of excessive work behaviour, which was written by Melrona Karain, Marina Breen and Cleodna O'Connor and was published in the Journal of Occupational and Organisational Psychology in February 2018. As always, I'll include a link to the paper in the show notes. I'm Rebecca Jones. Thanks for listening. 
See you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Coaching Academic Podcast. If you're interested in reading my research, sponsoring the show, or in hiring me as a researcher, coach, or speaker, check out my website, www.rebeccajjones.co.uk. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review in iTunes and subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a question you'd like me to answer in a future show, then please get in touch via my website. Finally, you can connect with me on Twitter at coach underscore research. Thanks for listening.